Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio. Network. Uh, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me. If you missed the first hour, um, I think that you're going to definitely want to hear the conversation that I just had with Melissa Zaldivar. Um, yeah, I really, you know, when you, you talk to somebody and you think to yourself, gosh, that's somebody that I really want to know better. I want to, I want to know how she knows so much at such a young age. And I want to, um, and I want to be sure she has mature Christian old friends like me because we're older not that not i mean i don't know can you make a new old friend maybe that's a good question to be asking this morning how do you make a new old friend um i was reading a very complicated adoption story in the associated press earlier today it features a little girl whose parents were killed along with her five siblings in 2019 um this was in afghanistan she was two months old when u.s marines pulled her out from under the rubble of their home. Um, That home was reduced to rubble and her parents and siblings killed by U.S. action. The the legal battle that is now unfolding in U.S. courts is between the Afghan couple who are related to the child and in whose custody she was placed um, after she received medical treatment Uh, And the U.S. Marine and his wife, who believe they have, through American courts, legally adopted her. And so this is a story that you're going to hear, and you're going to hear more about it in the coming days um, from from all kinds of secular press sources, because it features really intriguing um, threads that journalists love to pull, political threads, religious storylines. Um, in addition to the challenge that the U.S. military now faces if if foreign nations begin to see U.S. presence, um, you know, as as some kind of way to get their babies. So, like, right, there's, there's tons of complications in this story. Um, and also complicating it, the masts, the family at the center of this, the American family at the center of this, are being represented by an attorney um, who's Mr. Mast's brother, who works for Liberty Council, which is a really well-known um, conservative legal enterprise. But legal, but Liberty Council says, hey, we're not involved in this particular case. So, you know, that's complicating as well. Here's the bottom line. Two families desperately want to raise this little girl. Both families love her. Both families want the best for her. Both families count her as their own. One is Afghan and one is American. One is Muslim and one is Christian. One is poor and one is very well-connected. Um, what might come of all of this? Well, here's my, here's my hope. I mean, because God only knows, right? God only knows what, what's going to come of all of this. I'm praying today that God might use this girl in the future and her life to build bridges that nobody else's life could ever build. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if one day this little girl who will you know, by God's grace, grow up to be a woman, 
um, that her lived story is going to be a story that no one else will have ever lived. And certainly no one else um, could ever bear witness and testimony to this deep, affectionate love by two families who are so different from such very different parts of the world. So I'm holding out hope that even um, as the article in the Associated Press offers little hope, I'm holding out hope that God is up to something really, really extraordinary. November is National Adoption Month. And so talking about adoption is going to be something not only on the forefront of my mind, but it's going to be a part of our conversations. So as Christians, we know what it means to be adopted. I mean, in biblical terms, it's about the placement um, of a person into a family. The scriptures bear wonderful witness to an an adoption theology. I'm thinking here of Romans 8 and Galatians 4 and Ephesians 1, um, passages that speak to our adoption into God's family. I mean, we are all born as spiritual orphans. Well, all but Jesus. I mean, Jesus's place is secure. He is the one and only son of the Father eternally. That's his place. But he shares his place with us. That's the theology of adoption. And understanding that we are adopted children of God, and we are, helps us see the adoption of children into our families as a response to God's adoption of us. It's a living demonstration of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. So let's uh, reflect a little bit on the heart of God and God's heart for adoption in a conversation with Rick Morton from Lifeline Children's Services. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When you think about vulnerable children and you think about who is caring for vulnerable children and who's bringing gospel hope to vulnerable children and equipping adults like you and me to um, discern how the Lord is leading us to care for vulnerable children, there is, um, there's no resource out there any better than Lifeline Christian Services. You're going to find them at lifelinechild.org. Rick Morton is joining us again today. Um, to talk about the reality of adoption, the importance of it, and November as National Adoption Month. Rick, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you again this morning. Do we need a whole month, um, you know, to focus on adoption? And then I know you're going to say we really should focus on it every day. But bring our attention to it in, you know, in National Adoption Month and direct us to some resources related to that. Absolutely. I, I think let's let's start the movement here on your show today for National Adoption Year, right? Like I think that's a that's a worthy goal. But um, honestly, there are so many needs. I, even in the story that you shared in in the uh, the last segment, um, that's the rare exception where you have two families that are stepping forward for a vulnerable child, and there's conflictedness over who's going to care. Um, the vast majority of the vulnerable kids. Um, here in the U.S. and around the world, um, have no one. There's there's no one there who's pursuing them. And I think the reason that we need a focal month is is just to to gather and you know garner our attention in God's providence. One of the things that sort of evolved over the years is that National Adoption Month is also the month in which we uh, celebrate Orphan Sunday. And uh, Orphan Sunday is something that started in Africa almost 15 years ago um, in a community that was racked by AIDS. 
and a pastor who just had a conviction after spending time in God's Word that it should be God's people that were caring for the children that were being orphaned in their community. And so you had this community in deep poverty who um, gave out of their poverty. They gave, literally, there's a story of a woman um, going back to her home and getting the last vegetables and the last little bit of food that she had and bringing it back to the church as they were collecting the offering and placing it in the offering basket um, because they, the church just said, we're going to give our all to, to sharing with and caring for orphans in our community. And there were stories of adoption and fostering and, and, and all kinds of ways that the church stepped forward. And that has now become a worldwide movement. And so um, I, I think it's right for us to focus on this because of what you said. You did a beautiful job in unpacking the, the theology of adoption. And because we have been rescued and because we've been adopted into the family of God, uh, God calls us to be like him and to mirror that kind of love by caring for vulnerable children and and vulnerable families, birth parents, uh, all kinds of people that are around this situation. And for us to step into that brokenness um, as the people of God with the hope of the gospel and National Adoption Month just gives us the opportunity to really be able to to focus that energy and to focus that call and and to do that all together, all at the same time as the body of Christ. I mean, we all know that, um, I mean, we all know what the scriptures say, right, about real religion, true religion, honest religion, um, you know, being tested by those who care for the widow and the orphan. Um, we know this is our responsibility. It's a little bit like the Great Commission, Rick. We know we're supposed to be um, making disciples, but if we weren't if we've never been discipled, we don't know how to make a disciple. And in the same way, we don't necessarily know how to best care for widows and orphans. That's where um, Lifeline uh, Children's Services comes in. So you guys can go to lifelinechild.org. Really, their mission is to equip us, the body of Christ, to actually do what we know we're called to do, but we don't know how to do it. And so whether or not, you know, God has tenderized your heart toward adoption or foster care or orphan care or, you know, or coming alongside um, vulnerable children around the world in ways that you want to, but you don't know how. That's that's actually what Lifeline um, offers. So lifelinechild.org, lifelinechild.org. We're going to hear some stories from Rick, um, both domestically and internationally, about adoption here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We make a miracle walker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. If you're a Christian, then you have an adoption story. Um, and if you are a Christian family, you may well um, have an adopted member. We do. Um, my grandson, Coda, came into our family through foster care and adoption. Um, and my friends, Matt and Shauna, 
just finalized the adoption of Major. He was born in Arizona, um, and his mom picked them from a book that contained hundreds of options of, you know, where her son might be placed in terms of a forever home here on earth. Every Christian has an adoption story. Um, Rick Morton knows lots of adoption stories. He's joining us from Lifeline Children's Services. You can find them at lifelinechild.org. Um, tell us a story, Rick. Carmen, um, we earlier this summer we had a I got a call from a hospital in one of the cities in which uh, Lifeline has an office, and basically they told us that they had a child that was in the NICU. Um, birth mom lived out of state, uh, gave birth in this hospital. Um, child was incredibly medically fragile, uh, was a preemie. And uh, mom had had to make the decision or made the decision to go back home to the state uh, in which she lived and to meet her obligations there uh, and left the child in the NICU. And and so uh, at a point, the birth mom realized that she was not going to be in a place to be able to parent and uh, reached out to the hospital for help. Uh, the hospital reached out to us, asked her, us to engage with her and talk about all of the options that were available to her, both for parenting and uh, for adoption. And uh, she decided that she wanted to make an adoption plan. And this was just a really complicated situation because because this child was was very sick and very fragile. Um, she was not feeding on her own and required a lot of medical equipment and a massive amount of medical attention. And, and so at that point, we went to work um, and began to to look for a family that um, was was willing to uh, step into a situation like this. And in God's providence, there was a family that uh, first family that we've reached out to that were actually in the city, same city where the child was. And uh, our team explained the situation and uh, this family without reservation said, um, we want to step in and we're willing to step in and we don't care about what the risks are. Uh, we, we believe that this is, this is God's choice and God's destiny for us. Within an hour, they were at the hospital uh, and this family just dove in and they began to, you know, do skin on skin contact and they began to assist with her feeding and, and just to love on this little girl. And, uh, and, and the story is amazing. She rallied and she responded and, um, she left the hospital without any medical equipment, without a feeding mm. tube, uh, into the care of a mom and dad who understand all of the uncertainty and understand all of the things that could be in the future. Uh, but what they, what they understand most is that God has called them to adoption and that this little girl is created precious. Uh, and valuable in the image of God. And, and so she leaves with a family that's committed to, to love her and to care for her, but also to point her toward Jesus. Um, and, and ultimately to, to help her to find the, the truth of her adoption and the, the ability for her to be adopted into God's family. Um, I think one of the things I, I want to say this morning, Carmen, is that we, we've seen in the wake of the Dobbs decision, um, that more children with medical fragility and with special needs are are becoming available for adoption, more infants. And something that I think we need to begin to pray about in the body of Christ 
is families praying about whether they're ready to step in and to to parent these children and to and to give them a family and ultimately to give them a hope. Um, and and we all know that these children are precious and they're image bearers of God and and it's incumbent upon us in the body of Christ to to fully live out our you know our our theology in in that and so i would invite families that are out there that that are following jesus that have a heart to step into situations that may be more complex and may be more difficult to reach out to us at lifelinechild.org we would love to hear from you we'd love to talk to you we'd love to explore with you whether um, a special needs or special circumstances adoption is is something that that god might open up an opportunity for for your family um Carmen, the other thing, just in, from what you said in, in the last segment, uh, we really believe that um, James 127, right? Like you, the perfect exposition that you just gave of James 127, that we're supposed to visit widows and orphans. We're supposed to pastor them. I think sometimes in the church, we miss, you know, the second half of that verse, the keeping oneself unstained from the world. We don't see that as just for a few people in the church. We understand that personal holiness is for everyone. And, and I think it's not a coincidence that those two things are together in what James says to us, that caring for widows and orphans isn't optional for us in the body of Christ either. It's a, it's a tangible outworking of the gospel and, and of our faith, and it's a way for the world to really be able to see the redeeming character of God and, and the redeeming quality of the gospel. And, and that doesn't mean you have to foster, and it doesn't mean you have to adopt. And so I'd, I'd love to point folks today to lifelinechild.org backslash Orphan Sunday. Orphan Sunday is actually coming up November the 13th. But on our Orphan Sunday resources, we actually have uh, some some ideas about ways that you can engage everyone in your church. And there's actually a Next Steps page there that gives a lot of really practical suggestions for mobilizing everyone in the church, the whole body of Christ, in order to be able to step up and, and for us together to be able to step into the needs of orphan and vulnerable children. And, and so um, I, I think in this time, while we're sort of focused in the church around this Orphan Sunday idea, it's a perfect time for us to really begin to think more deeply about how we support adoptive families, how we support foster families, how we come alongside kids that are in the foster care system that are going to graduate out of that without benefit of family. Um, orphans around the world that are growing up in orphanages, there's so many different ways that, that we can have impact. And there's, there's something specific and tangible that every single person uh, that, that's a part of the church can do. Um, I was reminded, um, Rick, uh, recently um, about the, uh, the article um, at, um, at CBN News. The church has been serving women for decades. Pro-life groups respond to accusations that they only care about political wins. Um, because yesterday I read um, this article about this ministry in Alabama that's helped 18 students graduate um, from Auburn University, um, and they were pregnant, pregnant, you know, college students. And I didn't know that 12% of college students report either experiencing or being involved in an unplanned pregnancy. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of kids um, dealing with this in ways that they're unprepared. And so I think that all of these um, threads knit themselves together, and we tend to 
um, imagine that these are all separate issues and concerns, but they're not. It's um, it's all of a cloth. And so thank you so much for the way um, that you equip and empower families who um, want to and are ready to and God calls to adopt. And thank you for the way that you equip the larger body to then um, in turn support them. I really uh, genuinely appreciate it. Well, thank you for all that you do to bring visibility to the issue and to encourage the body of Christ to lean in. And it takes all of us. And and I think we, um, we're we committed to the idea at Lifeline of being here to come alongside churches um, in order for us to step in in meaningful ways um, to make a difference that, that points toward um, the, the true hope that we have in the gospel. Amen. Amen. Hey, I hope you'll return and tell us some more um some more adoption stories in the future, and we can we can keep looking at this from um, all the many faceted angles. Absolutely, you're one of our favorites. You know that, so we're we're <laughs> that's, here anytime. That's totally mutual. All right, that's Rick Morton. You can find him and everything we discussed today at lifelinechild.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grip of sin. God, can All right, when we talk about our families, we tend to talk about um, individuals and not the whole. So what, what does it look like to have a conversation about the whole and healthy family? What does it mean for not just the members or the individuals to be whole and healthy, but what does it mean for our whole family to be whole and healthy? We're going to have that conversation with Jody Mockaby, um, helping your kids thrive in mind, body, and spirit. What does it look like to help kids grow up in every way into Christ? Um, discipleship as a whole life, whole body, whole family experience. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jody Mockaby joins us now. She's a photographer. She's a writer. She's a blogger. She's a homeschool mom of five. And she lives in the Black Hills of South Dakota, which we really could just spend all of our time talking about today. But we're going to focus in on her book, The Whole and Healthy Family, Helping Your Kids Thrive in Mind, Body, and Spirit. Jody, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Look out the window. Tell us um, what's happening in the Black Hills. Well, the sun is about to rise, so I have a nice little silhouette of the hills right out of my window. Okay, so for those of us who haven't been there, there are hills? <laughs> there are hills, yes, and they are actually majestic. They are covered in pines, and, mm. um, you know, the the silhouette, that it's up and down, up and down. It's not just like this, you know, kind of simple silhouette, so it's just really striking and beautiful. We love it here. I love that. All right, tell us um tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself and what led you to write the whole and healthy family. Okay, well, I have been married for 18 years to my husband Jason and we had five children very quickly. Um we had five under 5 at one point. <laughs> and so we were really what I like to refer to as the trenches. We were just in the trenches for 
several years just trying to kind of breathe at, at certain points, you know, dealing with little ones and their needs and making sure everyone was fed and sleeping and all of that. It's a lot to keep five little ones cared for. And so um, I often turned towards research and looking for information just to kind of understand their developmental needs, their physical needs, their mental needs, their spiritual needs. And I started noticing just this pattern of as soon as an issue would come up, um, I would, you know, spend some time in prayer, look for information that would help me understand my child more. And of course, since we had five, we had five very different children and each of them had different needs and just kind of understanding who they were as a whole person, knowing that they were born with personalities that God had created them as a whole being from the moment they were born. Well, since the moment they were conceived, um, it, it really started helping me understand that we are whole beings. And even in Luke, you know, Jesus charges his disciples to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that's a very holistic approach. He's not just saying, love the Lord God with all your heart. He's asking for every part of our being. That really helped me kind of understand that as we're parenting, there are multiple parts to our child that we would like to nourish and equip. Yeah, I, I had an, a conversation earlier this week, and I was reminded that we're not raising children. We're actually raising adults. And for those of us who are Christians, we're raising fellow disciples. Um, and so when you talk about um, the love of God with all the mind, all, uh, you know, all the heart, all all the spirit, like all the parts, I'm thinking, you know, we're, we're supposed to be growing up in every way into Christ. So um, the book's divided into three sections, the whole mind, the whole body, the whole spirit. Um, and And yet the book is really not about that. I feel like the book is about this building of a family culture and being intentional about that. So let's talk about the whole, the building of a family culture, and then we'll back up and talk about the parts. Okay, no problem. So the family culture aspect, I think that came just kind of as like a manifestation of meeting these needs of recognizing that my children were whole children. And as a result, it it, there was a lot of intention in the decisions that we made. We didn't take anything lightly. You know, I, I talk about in my book, one of my first kind of physical decisions I made um, was when a child had an ear infection and my doctor prescribed antibiotics, you know, and my first thought was just to give him the antibiotics. But once I started realizing I need to research this and see if there's any alternative things to do and what what kind of effect does antibiotics have on his little system? And um, every decision was kind of looked through this like lens of intentionality. Um, how is this going to affect them, you know, physically? What are the long-term effects? And, you know, and that's just a simple example, but um, those decisions happened in every area of our life as far as what do we do for school and what do we look like as a family with activities and, um, what do we want to do as a family with serving? What do we look like in our church and in our community? And so lots of decisions, lots of observation of families that were ahead of us, lots of conversations with mentors. All of that started developing this family culture where we kind of gathered things here and there, tried things out, and we said, this fits, this works with our family. And so we just continued to practice some of those practices 
and habits that ended up building a family culture as a whole. Yeah, I think the intentionality um, of of your approach is one of the things I find so attractive. Um, you know, we're not just stumbling through as as parents or or at this stage of life as grandparents. Like, there should be some intentionality, not only in my home, but in terms of um, what my children and now grandchildren experience in terms of how they see me making decisions. Um, and including them in that more and more and more um, as they get older and older. So let's, um, now that we've talked about the whole, uh, the development of a family culture, this intentional development of a family culture, let's talk about the sections. Um, you know, briefly introduce us uh, to the three sections of the book, the whole mind, the whole body, and the whole spirit. Yes, so it is broken into three sections, mind, body, and spirit. And under mind, um, I have different chapters that kind of affect the mental well-being of your children and your family. Um, we talk about communication in the family. We talk about healthy communication with spouses, um, awareness of personalities in your children. They each have, you know, different personalities, different love languages, different gifts that God has created them. So I just kind of talk a little bit about, about some strategies on how to recognize those and how to love intentionally, even with your children. You know, having five children, um, you can't just take one out on this extravagant date that that cuts into family time and finances. So you have to find ways to really connect with that child in ways that are meaningful for that child. Not just every kid will feel love through you know, going to a movie together. Um, they all have these different passions and and interests. And if you can kind of have a targeted approach on that, it's very efficient. <laughs> so I, I talk a little about, about relationships in there. I talk about nature. We are a big outdoors family and have found so much um, solace and peace and freedom in nature. and nature. And we, I just talk about how that affects your mental well-being to just be out in nature. And I also talk about simplicity and mostly in a home environment, but also with activities, just always being careful of what you let in. And you mentioned it earlier, Carmen, that we're a society that does not critically think through a lot of things. We just kind of move on. We're kind of surviving. We're not thinking through a lot of things and a schedule can become very full very quickly by having that mindset. So if you can kind of develop some sort of simplistic mindset to understand that margin is needed, it's needed in children's lives, it's needed in adults' lives, we need that time to be still and rest in God. And even from like a visual perspective in our home environment, um, it's more things equal more traffic mentally. So I kind of discussed that a little bit of just simplifying your home environment. So while everyone is there at home, there's just a level of peace. So that's kind of the, the mind section. The body section, we talk about food and fitness and health and wellness. We talk about um, natural remedies. I give different recipes for things that you can find in your pantry to help um, soothe children that are not feeling well or to help break fevers or to help um, with you know various childhood sicknesses and illnesses. And so I, I provide the readers with some of that. And I share a little bit of our story with 
food and an elimination diet for my oldest son who is on the autism spectrum. So um, the food and fitness and health and wellness section is a big part of our family just because it was driven um, through my oldest son that really needed some changes. And by making changes for him, we kind of adopted all of those changes in our family. And I just saw the fruit of that, no pun intended, (laughs) but I just, I saw the fruit of, of really um, controlling the food that comes into our home to make sure that it's nourishing and healthy. So I wanted to share that with other families that may have similar struggles or just want to see their children thriving physically. And the third section, which is my absolute favorite and the most important is the whole spirits. And I just shared tips on how as a family, we remain biblically grounded I talk about service, what that looks like, that children are never too young to serve. Um, I have fond memories of my toddlers carrying, you know, one piece of firewood at a time to help a widow um, with her firewood and that children are just never too young to serve. And we often leave them at home for service opportunities and they should be right alongside of us. Not only does it teach them um, how to serve joyfully, but it blesses the socks off of whoever they're serving. They, they're they always so shocked to see children involved and it's such a beautiful thing. I talk about the power of words. Um, we speak affirmations over our children that are biblically based and those are used as just powerful tools to help them understand their identity in Christ. And then the last chapter is just being spirit-led as far as um, decisions always walking in the spirit and always reaching out to the Lord as, as if he's your best friend and you're just mulling over different decisions with him. We have so many burdens as parents that it can be something as simple as your child not sleeping through the night in the early years. And it could be more intense of finding, you know, a phone in your child's room after hours. Um, when they're teenagers, we have these little things all the time and we, we can be going to the Lord with these and asking for his counsel. And so that chapter is kind of encouraging parents to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the conclusion. Yeah, it's so good. We're talking with Jody Maccabee. The book is The Whole and Healthy Family, Helping Your Kids Thrive in Mind, Body, and Spirit. If you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is exactly the kind of help I need as a parent, we are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877 You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a faith radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus. Well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a faith radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a faith radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Jody Maccabee, the book is The Whole and Healthy Family, Helping Your Kids Thrive in Mind, 
body and spirit. You can connect with Jody online at her website, Jody Mock, M O C K. Uh, a B B E E. So like you're mocking a bee. Jody Mockabee.com. Jody, um, hopefully I you didn't think I was making fun of your name, but sometimes it helps listeners for me to spell things and then plant something in their head. Um, so we're going to help them mock a bee. Yes? Yes. And it is, you know, it's spelled exactly as it sounds, which always shocks people. It's a, a different <laughs> last name. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm a LaBerge, and you can imagine all of the uh, variety of ways that that is pronounced. So um, talk with me. So you do have, you know, uh, among your five, and you and I both know every child has special needs, but you do have one who has some identifiable, um, you know, things that the world would say, hey, this this child is um, is different in ways that complicate everything else. Um, you know, we call it neurodiversity. We call it the autism spectrum. We have all kinds of language for it today. Um, and, and it's and it's your child and it's the life of your family. So for you, it's normal. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because virtually every one of us now has a child in our family that, you know, the world considers somehow abnormal. But for us, like, this is life. Yeah, I, honestly, Carmen, I I wouldn't use the word normal in our household. And I don't know if it's because we have five and they were so close together that it's very easy just to compare the differences. Um, and you realize early on, this is not just a personality difference. This is some sort of genetic makeup or, or something in this child that um, is not allowing him to thrive in the same way that the other children are. And so it, it's hard to even still use the word normal because we still don't know what to do in certain situations where with the other children, there's usually kind of a simple answer, you know, maybe because you can discipline. reason in our experience. Yeah. It's because you can reason with most children and in our family with the child who's on the autism spectrum. You, you cannot reason with her that that's not that does not work. No, there's a lot of um, time. And, you know, when, when someone asks, what does it look like, you know, to have a special needs child or um, a child on the spectrum? I didn't know that you had a child on the spectrum, but yeah, yeah grandchild. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And we, we say, you know, 90% of our parenting for the most part has gone into that one child and then the poor four other children and not poor, they have learned so much, you know, from, from living together with their sibling, but they get about 10% of um, the conversations. So, so he's got about 90% of the conversations in the family and they get about 10. Thankfully, as he gets older and older, he's able to kind of recognize, um, how much time and, um, how much of a process things are for him versus the others. And he's sensitive to that with them, which is wonderful and, and learns to, you know, stop for a moment and let them have a moment to talk or, let them have needs, you know? Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, it's been hard and difficult and, um, people reach out all the time for counsel and I don't have any other than stay on your knees, pray for that child. Um, I don't have the answers I wish I did. Otherwise we would be doing it a lot better, <laughs> but it is, it is hard. It's, it's hard, but those, um, children, they've, got such beautiful gifts and there's just something so wonderful and unique about them 
that you have to celebrate when you're on the highs and um, you're just on your knees when you're in the lows. And we experience the highs and lows almost every day with, with a neurodiverse child. So yeah, it is a, I, I wish I could just come on and say, we've got it figured out or it has become normal and easy and we've figured everything out. But the truth is we haven't. <laughs> and well, if your daughter has any advice or son, I don't know. No, 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 we don't have any advice either. And I think that's like, right. So the fact that you're, you're so honest and, um, and willing to say, we don't have the answers on this and it's difficult and it's complicated and it means we parent everybody differently. Um, and if you're, if you're like our family, there's like every single day, something where I'm like, I, surely I could have done that differently, um, for, you know, for her or for me or for the peace of our household or on and on and on. So because you're, because you're willing to say, we don't have the answers on this, it makes you believable on everything else. I'm, I am willing to believe what you say about everything else because of your willingness to tell me the truth about this one really hard thing. So thank you. Um, thank you. And, um, yeah. And so let's talk about screen time. And we only have like a minute to do this, but I, because I would say my default is to, is to give her screen time because that is a like soothsayer. Um, but that's not, that's not the answer. So, so talk with me about screen time and managing that. No. And thankfully, um, you know, I had read enough to understand that neurodiverse kids typically are drawn, not just drawn to screen time, it soothes them, but it also um, creates kind of a vice in a sense for them. And so I I didn't want to rely on that for him. Um, I knew he had so many other things that he could be doing with his time. And so that's actually why nature played such a huge role is we needed something mm. else to fulfill those needs in him. And, um, so we started just spending so much time outside and that actually became his addiction. And still to this day, he's 16 years old. Um, I, if he's out, you know, working, he he's a ref for soccer games, he'll go and hike between games and he'll text me pictures of his hike. It blesses me so much to know that, you know, from early on, we recognized that this could be an issue and we tried to fill it with something a little healthier. Now that's not to say that he doesn't struggle with screen time on his own. He got a phone just this past year. He had to do it for his college classes. Mm -hmm. And, um, we've had to really help him navigate the phone use. Um, you know, we have restrictions on times and when it needs to be in our room. And there's been, um, a lot of just struggle with even the addiction of, and it's not even anything bad, but you know, Google maps he's obsessed with <laughs> and we'll just be staring at, at Google sure. maps for as long as he can. And he forgets that he has to study or, yeah, you know, yeah. and so those are the things with neuro neurodiverse kids that we're still learning too, is the time management is not there. And um, mm. if they have a test the next day, they're not like our typical kids that know to study and, and figure out how they're going to fit the studying in you know, you get an hour before the test and there's just freak out mode because the time management wasn't naturally a part of the process for him. Yeah. So we've been having to work a lot through that. And it goes along with screen time on usage of phone and time management. But we have, for the most part, kept tech and screens um, out of our household um, in part to protect him 
And then in other parts, just because we wanted, we didn't really want it to be a part of our family culture. Yeah, I know. I love it, which gets us back to the family culture conversation um, about which, you know, we need to be more and more intentional. The book is The Whole and Healthy Family. We're giving away copies today. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Jody, we got to leave it right there. You guys can connect with Jody online, Jody Maccabee. Dot com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. We're going to wrap it right here. Um, if you missed any portion of today's um, conversation, you can grab it later at MyFaithRadio.com or go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.